Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey, concert lovers. Welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. Before we get into everything, I just want to remind you, as always, find us and follow us on social media. Plus, I just want to tell you a little bit about the future of the show. So going forward, there's going to be two versions of each episode. One with music and one without music. Of course, the one with the music will be available on Spotify, but the one without the music will be available everywhere else. So if you're listening to this on Apple, on Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, any of the usual places you get your podcasts, if you're listening there and you want to hear the music, head over to Spotify and check it out there. We have the music embedded in the episode. But of course, you're getting the same great conversation. It just means that it's going to be available for more people to enjoy it. Now we've got a great guest this week. I really enjoyed chatting with her. There was parts I actually lost myself in the conversation and forgot that I was recording an episode. She's very qualified to be giving her opinion on music, especially on the vocals of heavy metal. She has a degree in vocal performance and she comes from a very, very musical family with a couple of notable moments throughout her family history. But I'll let her tell you more about that. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, Stephanie. You're very welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. It's great to it's great to get to talk to you. So uh, in my intro, I mentioned that you have a degree in vocal performance and you also come from a very musical family. Would you like to tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll start with the family piece because it kind of uh, flows into what I went to school for. So okay. my uh, my grandmother was actually the first one um, that I remember singing with when I was very young. She was in a a four-piece women's group, and I can't remember the name right now. I should have checked that. But it was a <laughs> women's a cappella group that was regionally um, pretty well known. And it's actually how she met my grandfather, was oh. that she was singing in this group, and he fancied her and asked her <laughs> out, and, you know, the rest is history. One thing led to another. Absolutely. She was quite a cutie, so I don't, I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, my grandma Mary, she was lovely. She was actually a carny, so she was Irish. That's Irish, my oh, Irish really? side. So I do come from Irish stock. Oh, very good. Yeah. So then my, the next generation, my uncle and my father were both musicians. My uncle was a kind of a lounge pianist. He's got a couple of records, actually. Um, His name is, his name is Ward Dunkirk. And uh, he sounded very much like Andy Williams, if you know who that is, kind of an older singer. Yeah, very much like him. And um, did mostly covers, a couple originals, but yeah. And then my father was a bass player, and he played with uh, Bobby V in The Shadows. Oh, very cool. Good... Yeah, so they had a couple of hits uh, back in the 60s, went on the Dick Clark tour, which is really cool, bandstand tour. Oh, um, I've heard about that, all right. Yeah, he got to meet Elvis once, which is so cool. I was just going to ask you about that. That's something we have to speak about. Yeah, that's that's a really really fun story that he's told me a couple of times. It's a meeting him in Vegas. That's a great place to see him. Yeah. 
So then um, he was musical his whole life. And then my cousin, uh, Paul, was in a group that was somewhat had a bit of success in the United States called the Blenders and a bit of success over in Europe, which was another mm. acapella type group. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he left, but he was somebody I remember watching when I was a kid being on stage yeah. and performing. Um, and then through all that, I, I, I played in, my father had a cover band and I was playing in that when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, oh, that must've been so cool. It was cool. I mean, it's not what a lot of other kids are doing, right? At that yeah. age. Some yeah, people, exactly. Some people start bands, but usually you aren't in your parents' band unless you're the Partridge family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was great. I was playing saxophone and keyboards and singing and, um, that was great. And, but in school, I was in choir and church choir since I was very, very young. So I can remember my family actually, we, we did, uh, church shopping <laughs> to right. find a church with the best choir and best music program, <laughs> which, you know, that's interesting. And my mom too, my mom was a great singer. Um, she's still a great singer, I think. Um, she was a minor and she was, uh, in theater and, and, um, uh, I remember hearing her sing for the longest time. They sang in a gospel choir that performed at a oh, um, big, big country festival here in, in my hometown in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, which is up north yeah. in Minnesota. So family, lots of music. Um, I was singing most of my life, uh, decided to go into school to, for vocal performance. Um, oh, very good. Yeah. So I took voice lessons for, uh, since I was very young uh, and piano lessons since I was very young. And yeah. always loved to sing. And um, when I was in school, uh, I was what, what they would call a mezzo-soprano was my, my vocal type. Um, I studied okay. my primary, um, I should say my, um, the style of music that I did the, the best at was particularly Rossini, which is okay. a, a style of opera that's very, very fluid. It's very much uh, uh, melismatic, which is a term for many notes on the same vowel oh. so um yeah so una voce poco fa is a very famous uh, aria by rossini and it was one of my pieces and i did mozart and i did beethoven and debussy and and some of the great composers um and it was wonderful i had a lot of great memories i'd say so like it sounds it sounds really yeah. great beautiful to listen to the, to that the masters of composition yeah yeah, I actually, I love classical music myself, especially if I want to yes. relax and unwind, you know, I'll just sit back and it's great to hear a piece of music without any lyrics or anything in it, you know? You kind of imagine what the story is. Yeah. Or what the, yeah, what the exactly. yeah, lyrics would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a school of thought in, in classical composition about programmatic music versus non-programmatic music. Like, like Berlioz has a, a you know, has specific story in mind when he's writing his pieces and yeah. uh, others not quite so much and it kind of does different things to your mind Anyways. oh it really does it really does especially if you have a good ma imagination <laughs> absolutely yeah i can't even picture what it is to have a ma an imagination like mozart or beethoven have a yeah. brain like that probably why they Jeez. went a little bit a little bit batty at times <laughs> it's a lot of neurons firing that's it exactly. They probably couldn't couldn't handle it. Eventually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, that's my background. And after I got out of college, um, I had planned and, um, I took a couple of lessons, I ended up going to New York to, um, have a lesson after college, but the plan of maybe going to get my master's in New York. Yeah. And, um, I guess just the more I got into that world, the more I realized that, um, it might not be for me, actually. Oh, really? I love the music. Yeah, I love the music, but actually having a career in in opera, in um, that style of singing, um, it's very restrictive. You have to live in hotel rooms. It's kind of like going on tour with a band, but yeah. you're not with a band. Yeah. You're just yourself. I get um, And it's tough to have like a normal life. And um, I realized what I really liked was, was singing in bands. So... Instead, I, I joined a cover band back home and started singing everything from like Aretha Franklin all the way to, you know, the pop hits of today. Yeah. Um, instead, oh. I found it a lot more fun. I, I can imagine it would be more fun, less formal. Less, far less formal. Yes. Yeah. It's so stuffy. <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. stand stuffiness. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, and then the most recent thing I did as a, as a, in a band was um, I spent a year in a Judas Priest and Iron Maiden cover band. Okay. We can talk more about that. That was born <laughs> out of me seeing Iron Maiden for the first time and having my mind blown because uh, they're incredible. Yeah, they really are. They really, really are. They're one of the, the greats. Oh, they put bands a third of their age to absolute shame. With ease. With how good they are. Yeah. With ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. They're one of them bands that I don't think there'll ever be another one that'll be as good as them or will come close to them in the future. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty tough. The, the music that they wrote uh, is just, it's so evocative. It's so yeah. mesmerizing. It's such an atmosphere around it. And then when they play it live, they're so tight as a band yeah. Yeah, live exactly. that you're transported. Oh, you are. You really are. Well, I think this brings us to your first concert. My very first concert. So this is going to be a bit of a departure. My very first concert. Okay. When I was growing up in northern Minnesota, I was actually a very big country music fan. Oh, so right. My home, my hometown had a country music festival called We Fest, which right. we went to every year. Um, like I said, my, my parents sang in this gospel choir that performed Sunday morning at yeah. the festival. So I got to see like Ray Charles. I got to see, which is not really country, but he was there. That's um, really cool. I'd love to cool. have seen him. Oh, he only played two songs cause it was raining. Oh, but no. I got two songs. <laughs> That's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, so those are really my first concerts, but my first separate concert was actually Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> really? <laughs> in the achy, breaky heart era. I was just going to ask, was this back in the mullet days? Oh, the mullet was glorious. <laughs> it was glorious. It was such, it was the primo. Nobody has ever done a better mullet than that man. No, that, that is actually true. I haven't. Mm-hmm. There's no other mullet that sticks out in my mind. Other than Joe Dirt, maybe. Possibly, yes. Yes, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty great one, but it still doesn't hold a candle to the original. No, no. (laughs) So, yeah, I went there with my mom and my sister and my church choir director, actually, um, which was really fun. 
And there's a lot of ladies there, mostly oh, I ladies. I can imagine. Yeah, because <laughs> he was pretty cute. Um, it was great. He had a great band. It was really fun. But that was my first oh. uh, separate concert other than going to this country music festival. Yeah, yeah. And uh, was, it, um, was it indoor or outdoor? It was indoor. It was in the Fargo Dome, which was this new uh, indoor football stadium that they built up in Fargo, North Dakota. So we drove up from Detroit Lakes up to Fargo oh, to go oh, see cool. him. Did that a lot. Saw Garth Brooks there. He was one of my, shortly after Billy Ray, he was one of my first concerts after that. Oh, um, Garth be... Brooks in concert is incredible. I could imagine there's a, a bit of a, when you mention Garth Brooks and concerts in Ireland, it's a bit of a touchy subject. Are you, oh, really? Yeah, are you aware of what happened a couple of years ago? I think it was 2014, 2015. No, I'm not. So I don't think Garth Brooks has ever played a concert in Ireland, but he has a mm -hmm. massive following. There's okay. um, country music is massive over here. But I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. So he announced that he was going to play two nights over here mm -hmm. in, um, I think it was the RDS or maybe the O2 Arena. And okay. it's smack bang in the middle of Dublin city center. And okay. there's curfews and stuff like that. And you have to get all the people that live around to agree to the concert. Okay. And they have some long standing rule where one act can only play three nights. I think it is maximum. So okay. the tickets obviously sold out in minutes and he announced another night. So he was up to three nights. They sold out in minutes and there was thousands of people that were, you know, on the radio giving mm -hmm. out. They couldn't get tickets. So mm -hmm. eventually he ended up announcing five nights. He somehow got the go ahead for it. And a couple of months before the concert, the uh, the residents association brought the, I think it was Ticketmaster to court and got the whole thing overruled. And in the end, they had told him he could either do two nights or nothing. And he uh, chose to do nothing. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah. I did not hear this at all. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very touchy subject in Ireland to mention Garth Brooks and concerts in the, in the one sentence. Oh no. Yeah. So who was the one that actually brought the suit? Uh, it was the, the surrounding cities. Uh, the, 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 so around the stadium, there's a lot of houses and it was all the residents of them houses because they have to sign off. They have sure. the final word on it, you know, and uh, sure. now they do get free tickets to all the concerts that are on, but okay. they they obviously didn't want him to play more than three nights. Oh, no. Yeah, it really sucks. Oh. Wow, that's so sad. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking about, like, the last time I saw Garth Brooks um, was here in Minneapolis. Right. And he did 11 concerts. Oh, my goodness. And he did 11 concerts in the course of like, he did two, two a night. So we had a, a seven o'clock and then a 10 o'clock and I went to a 10 o'clock concert and they all sold out, all oh 11 of God. them that's sold out. That's something we actually don't have either over here. You know, it's always one show on one night mm -hmm. or maybe two nights. We never get double shows, you know. Hmm. Wow. So they don't have festivals? They, they do, We do have festivals, but um, there wouldn't be, you know, you'd have one band maybe starting at five o'clock, the next okay. band at seven, you know, but sure, we'd sure, never sure. actually have, say, Gar Brooks doing a concert sure. and one show at seven, another show at nine. Yeah. You know, it was nuts. And it didn't start on time. It's a 10 o'clock one. So it didn't start till 
like 10.45 or 11 oh, really? and ended up getting out at like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I was very tired the next day. But, I could imagine. Uh, had a blast. Yeah. Uh, I hope someday that it, it can come back. That's yeah. I had no idea about that. I'm going to read more about that. Yeah, you should look it up. It's, a, it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if he'd ever come back. There's kind of on the Irish Bad side. Luck. Yeah. They kind of feel like he just turned his back on Ireland. Oh, man. But again, I'm sure if he announced a concert, it'd sell out in, in minutes again. Probably. Yeah. Now, the country music being big in Ireland, I, I did know a little bit about that because I know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Van Morrison. And I don't know what the, the Irish opinion of, of Van Morrison is. Oh, but he's very um, loved. We just think he's got very cranky in his old age. He's so cranky. <laughs> yeah. He's so cranky. Yeah. He's somebody on my bucket list I would like to see live. And I had the chance once, but the tickets were just too expensive for me at the time. Yeah. But. He's somebody I really would have liked to have seen live at this point, but my, he has gotten very cranky. He has. My mother seen him actually in the late nineties mm-hmm. and I think he came, there's an opera house in my hometown and I think he came and played there, but mm-hmm. she said there was a point in the, the concert where he kept stopping his songs because someone was speaking and eventually he walked off stage and refused to come back unless that person was kicked out of the, kicked out of the opera house. Wow. Yeah. He can get very cranky while he's on stage. Wow. Well, now I saw he put a song out with, uh, with, um, um, Eric Clapton, is it? There you go. Eric Clapton yeah. put a song out that people are a little bit, uh, yeah, iffy about. Yeah. I heard that something, uh, it's a very, uh, conspiracy theory, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. He, he has been kind of angry for a while. Some he of has. his albums are very much critiquing the music industry which he's not wrong he's not but then it's not a great way to uh to please people you know no no not very much no all right so we've gone into van morrison i'll so that was my first country music and i just knew that about or i knew a little bit about that uh for ireland just because van had had some country music and had talked a little bit about um how big country music was over there and then glenn hansard is another person that i like to listen to yeah i love him Um, as well what a voice what a voice on that man yeah (laughs) Uh, and so i know he was a a country fan too so he actually does this thing every year in dublin around christmas it's a an impromptu gig where he just starts busking on the on the street sometimes uh Bono and other lesser known Irish artists will join in. Bono, lesser known. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are they really like the most famous band from Ireland? Would you say? Um, I suppose they it have to be, of, right? They you would too? be. Yeah. They kind of, you know, they, they're across all sorts of genres, really. They mm-hmm. would be known. If you're into rock, I suppose it could be Tin Lizzy, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, but yeah, you two would would be one that everybody would know all around the world. Especially if they bought an iPhone and they were forced to have the album on there. Then they (laughs) absolutely know about you two. Yes, yes. But um, the Irish have a a bit of a funny relationship with with you two. Okay. Because of the troubles? No, not really. It's more so because of Bono being so political. Mm, Okay. So a lot of people like, either love U2 and don't like Bono so much or they love him but won't admit to it. Okay. 
you know, to feel like he should just stick to being a rock star and not a politician. Sure. Well, I've heard that a lot about, you know, sports stars and, and yeah. I mean, people, there's been a funny thing in the United States about people suddenly realizing that Rage Against the Machine is a political band. Really? Like, well, <laughs> what what machine do you think they were raging against? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the washing machine. It wasn't the refrigerator. <laughs> so, I mean, that's as a touch a touchy subject in music, but the the political aspect, I mean, the a, the protest song is an entire genre of music. Yeah, it is. You know, it really protest is. music. So, I mean, I get the point of like, oh, I don't want to be bothered by politics when I'm listening to a singer, but yeah. you are following an artist and that artist is a human being and they that have has opinions. opinions. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. Like, I don't particularly care for um, Ted Nugent. Okay. Uh, his politics. I don't agree with his politics at all. Yeah. But if I listen to Catch Scratch Fever, that song is awesome and he's an incredible guitar player and I can't ignore that. Or yeah. What pe- people have said about, you know, Eric Clapton recently, they brought up some of the stuff from his concerts in the 70s and things that he said. Yeah. And I think it's pretty repugnant, if I'm being honest. It but is. It is. He's still an incredible musician. Yeah, you can't take that away from him. Yeah. People have that with Roman Polanski. You know, he's a, a, a filmmaker. Yeah. But he's got a past. He, you know, it's hard to separate the does. art from the artist. It is. It is. It's very hard. But. Mm-hmm. But we're getting off topic. We are. We're going on a, a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> a tangent. Yeah. But politics, yeah, it's a big thing. I understand yeah. that. But, you know, one of the concerts, one of the last concerts I went to, speaking of politics, I don't know if I'd call it politics maybe, but a little bit of political um, um, entanglement, okay. I'll say. The last concert that I went to was Slayer. So. Oh. Slayer was the very last concert we went to. It was November of 2019. Right. And so it was before everything got locked down. My first concert for 2020 was supposed to be in March, and that ended up getting canceled. It was going to be a Joe Bonamassa concert, actually. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. But, you know, Slayer is a band that has had some, um, you know, there's a division between the band itself of, of Tom Araya, the, the singer and bassist and yeah. uh, Carrie King, the guitarist political differences. Yeah. But that was an incredible concert because um, that was Slayer's final leg of their final tour. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a band that had a lot of significance um, for myself and my husband because um, it wasn't the very first concert, but it was the second concert that he and I went to while we were dating. Oh. And it was my first real foray into metal. Really? Yeah. The first time I stood in a real pit was <laughs> seeing Slayer. And after you sit in a Slayer pit, nothing else seems quite so scary. <laughs> oh, I'd so, well believe it. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll truncate that story, but I ended up fainting towards the end oh, of the night. Really? Yeah, it was a bit much for me. I was not I was not prepared. Somebody I stood on the floor for the very first Slayer concert uh, that I went to and the guy turned around, looked at me and he goes, "It's not safe here." <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Oh it was my goodness. Very much not safe. <laughs> but that was great to have as our last concert because, you know, that was kind of my introduction. Before that, the bands I'd seen were Clutch and Mastodon, which are yeah. much tamer bands. Great bands, but tamer bands. Yeah. But Slayer really opened me up to 
the idea of a concert being that intense, yeah. that much of a, funny enough, given their music, an, a religious experience. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's it's funny then that it came full circle, and that's the last concert you've been to. Yeah, and it was a great concert because because it was their last, their final leg of their final tour. Yeah, they had incredible bands opening for them. So oh, really? we had we had Phil Anselmo from Pantera, oh. um, with this band called Phil Anselmo and the Illegals. But right. they did a tribute called A Vulgar Display of Pantera. So Vinnie Paul had just died um, right. earlier in 2019. And so now he was doing this this tribute because both Dimebag and, and Vinnie are, are gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's huge because my husband was a very big Pantera fan. Okay. And a, a very big part of his his teenage years, as as it was for a lot of teenage boys in America. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so that was really great. And then Ministry, I don't know if you know that band, Ministry it, it does was, ring a was bell, next. All right. It had a big song called Jesus Built My Hot Jesus Built My Hot Rod, which is very fun. And they're very much, again, a protest kind of band. A lot of social unrest yeah. is a theme of their music. Oh. And then after them was a band that I didn't realize how much I would love until I finally saw them because all I knew of them was the South Park theme, but Primus. <laughs> oh. I fell so hard in love with them. They are funky, so funky as hell. And when you hear, like, you know, if you ever watched any of the VH1 behind the music yeah. um, documentaries back in the day, they were constantly interviewing Les Claypool. And there's a story about Les Claypool auditioning for metallica after um cliff died really? right and this yeah which isn't that wouldn't that have been a weird it's, <laughs> a yeah weird version of metallica <laughs> it actually but would. they basically they said no way man you're too good get out of here <laughs> okay <laughs> and so all i knew about les claypool was this myth of like oh he's the greatest bass player that's ever lived or which is not quite quite true but yeah. he's incredible right yeah yeah i'm like i their music sounds interesting. Well, when you finally see a band live in person, I, you get it. Like I heard Les play, and I've heard my dad, who's a bass player, play, so I knew a little bit about it. Okay. Watching, he's like the Michael Jordan of bass players. Really? He is a technical master in everything that he does. Yeah. But it looks so easy for him. I get you. I get you. Like the uh, like the bass is just an extension of his body absolutely yeah it's another piece of his arm that he just yeah plays in time <laughs> so that's a weird way of opening for it's a very weird band to open for slayer though because it's it couldn't be in my opinion any more dissimilar yeah yeah to you know it's fun it's quirky it's dark humor which slayer has a lot of dark humor so that matches but yeah, true very weird mm. and then yeah slayer slayer closed it out and it was it's it's always incredible to see slayer it was the fourth time we'd seen him fourth um <laughs> the fourth yeah we saw them i'll talk about uh, another uh time we saw them in a little bit but um the stage show had this pyro set up that they shot fire in different directions in time with the music there was oh. an upside down cross made of fire um they, they were just there's such a intense 
amazing experience to see live, especially now that I know the songs a lot better. And my, for my husband, the biggest thing was they played this song, Payback, which was his favorite song. Oh, really? And so he had to go in the mosh pit for that one. <laughs> and he's a big guy, so all the other kids see him come in, and he's a little bit older than the rest of them. And uh, <laughs> they kind of back away like, oh, God, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I'd say there was just a circle after farming around him. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. They're all <laughs> avoiding him. And he's like, come on, guys, mosh me. <laughs> Oh, I actually, I, I'd go to a concert just to see that happen. Just to watch a big man in the middle of a bunch of kids. Yeah. 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 Well, that that's funny you say that. The very first Slayer concert I went to, um, when the guy said, oh, it's not safe here. And then the crowd started moving at this like big yeah. undulating mass of humanity. Oh, yeah. Where I finally realized what he meant. <laughs> I, um, I searched out and I found the largest human being I've ever seen in person. Okay was this giant man. Um, he, I think, might have been about six, eight, six foot eight. Right. I don't know what that is in in, uh, in centimeters, but enormous. It's enormous okay. is what it is. Okay. And then he was about as equal width-wise as he was height-wise. <laughs> giant, a giant human. Okay. So I went over by him and stayed by him, and nobody wanted to go near that guy. Yeah, that nobody was a very moshing. good idea. <laughs> <laughs> he was my pillar. <laughs> And then, of course, when I fainted towards the end of the night, I did have to get carried out by my husband. And then I pushed him back in, like, get in there. They're doing Angel, they're doing angel of Death. Get in there. <laughs> oh. So Slayer's a lot of memories for me. Yeah, yes. A lot of great memories by the sounds of it. Yeah, a lot of great memories. So much anger. There's something about metal music that it, Slayer was really a great one for me to see early in understanding metal music. Yeah. The the catharsis of metal, the, the feeling of releasing that pent up anger, I guess, but just enter, just pent up energy in whatever form. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great one. Yeah. They really are. I'd, uh, I've never seen them myself, unfortunately, but, um, they would have been a a great one to go see. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. (laughs) So this, uh, brings us to which song would you like to, dedicate to the memory of your first concert to the memory of my very first concert of billy ray cyrus yeah well it would have to be achy breaky heart i mean come on <laughs> okay have... don't tell my heart my achy breaky heart i mean it's just so cheesy it's fantastic yeah, yeah. i have to admit i never thought i'd be uh i'd be playing that song on the show but <laughs> oh well you don't have to play that song no, oh no. what song do i actually want to dedicate oh no 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 then my the one i'd want to dedicate would be would be raining blood by slayer okay. that's the song that i would dedicate i'll i'll my life is before i went to a slayer concert and after i went to a slayer concert uh, i see i see so pre s or however ad anno domini or whatever bc <laughs> yeah slayer is my ad I see, I see. <laughs> so this brings us to the worst concert you've ever attended. So if there oh, is one. Oh, there is. There absolutely is. And I'm going to get a lot of, if anybody knows how to contact me, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this one because they're a very, <laughs> very popular band. Okay. I personally don't get it, but I kind of do for some reason. And it was the two times that I saw Avenged Sevenfold. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. I, 
I tried. I tried very hard to because um, it was the time I saw Metallica. Okay. So Metallica opened um, the Vikings, our football team. Our, sorry, our our other American football yeah. team um, opened this giant stadium here in Minneapolis, right. and their first concert was a country concert, of course, but second concert was Metallica. Oh. And it was Metallica with Avenged Sevenfold and Volbeat. Great oh. lineup. Great yeah. lineup. Yeah. Volbeat was great. I can imagine. But Avenged Sevenfold that time. And then I saw them again. There's a festival here in Wisconsin called Northern Invasion. We went to several times. Right. And they were the headliner for that in 2018, I think. Yeah. Both Both times that I saw them about... A song and a half in, I was wishing, can this be done already? <laughs> really? Yeah. There's something with Avenged Sevenfold. And, and I've listened to their album because I'm like, what am I missing? They're very popular. What what am I missing? Yeah. What is not hitting me, right? Yeah. Their, their albums are very good. They sound great in the studio. Yeah. But live, their guitar players are technical masters they're they're great guitar players the okay. notes they're playing are very difficult they're very virtuosic or virtuosic however that word goes but i don't feel anything i don't feel soul i, I don't there's no connection feel there. anything no there's no connection oh. and then both times the singer m shadows the first time he was a little bit better his voice the second time his voice was such a mess it was such a mess really? I could tell, and I turned the second time I saw Avenged Sevenfold, I turned to my husband and I said, he's going to cancel in about a month's time because his voice is going to have nodules and he's going to give out. Nodules are basically blisters on your vocal cords. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, about a month after I saw them, he canceled because of vocal nodules. Oh. It was, it, it made me physically ill to hear him sing because I could hear all of the damage in his voice oh. from bad technique and I just couldn't enjoy it. I just couldn't do it. My goodness. And would that be from overworking your voice or what would it be? Um, it's a combination of things. It's kind of similar to what happened to Adele. Adele has a technique that you really have to be very relaxed and okay. very hydrated in how you sing. If you have a little bit of grit that you sing within your voice, yeah. you really have to be careful smoking and drinking with that kind of style because a little bit of grit can, if you're not doing it correctly and not being free and easy, it can put a lot of strain on your voice. Oh. And Avenged Sevenfold, they do drink. Yeah. They do drink quite a bit. <laughs> and I think it was just a combination of not having really solid technique and possibly drinking and smoking. And he just was, was blowing himself out, which is what happened to Adele. She was yeah. drinking and smoking and, and blew herself out. It's the voice is a very, very delicate instrument. Like I remember reading Rob Halford, who's the singer from Judith priest yeah. talked about how his whole regiment when he's on tour, that after a show, he does not talk. There's certain things that he drinks Oh, really? There's certain foods he doesn't eat. Same thing in opera, to be honest. Opera singers have the same sort of thing. The care for their voice is the utmost. That's their yeah. moneymaker, right? Yeah. So they don't eat certain foods. They don't drink certain things. They have writers about air conditioning in the venues that they sing in. Like Pavarotti had a lot of writers about how the air conditioning would be in places that he sang oh. because oh. 
everything can affect how your how your instrument reacts. It's very yeah. delicate. That's actually something I never actually thought of. You know, I've heard about, you know, guitarists being so protective of their favorite guitar or, you know, bassists as well, or their hands, yeah. But I've actually never realized that a, a singer would be, you know, have a writer with stuff like mm-hmm. that or that so many different things could affect their voice. But it does make sense when you really think about it. It does, yeah. Spicy foods, but, you know, drinking alcohol. When I was in yeah. my band, I wouldn't drink alcohol until like the third set because oh. all the hard songs were done. <laughs> <laughs> and I know my favorite band, Avatar, um, the singer doesn't drink when they're on tour at all because he's both screaming and singing and yeah. it's hard on his voice. Yeah, it would be. You'd imagine, you'd wonder how uh, some of the bands that they do really let go and scream, how they don't just tear up their vocal cords and do some damage. Yeah, there is a technique to it, like a Steven Tyler from uh, Aerosmith or someone like that, or any of the the Scandinavian metal bands, um, yeah. that, or, or even Lamb of God, who's an American band, right? Um, there is a, a technique to doing it, or one of my favorite is Johan Haig from Amata Marth. He has a very interesting technique where I can still understand him, which is interesting. You usually can't with that kind of style. No, no, you can't. But there is a technique to it. You have to be very free and easy. Yeah, yeah. It is actually a skill. It's not just like I'm going to start screaming into the microphone. It's something mm-hmm. I'm sure you have to learn over over time and how to perfect it. And it is a muscle. Uh, singing is a muscle. So yeah. When you're learning a song, you have to do what's called getting a song in your voice. You have to sing it several, several times to get the muscle memory. It's like, you know, learning to play a sport. You have to yeah. have that muscle memory. Oh, that's that's very interesting. Now, I hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. Singers, we're athletes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even Ozzy Osbourne. Maybe not him. <laughs> I know. Ozzy was very good back in the day. I've seen him several times. Really? Yes. And he's actually, um, there's a, a podcast I'm looking to to work on that I'm writing scripts on right now called The Metal Voice, where I want to talk about Ozzy because he's somebody who everyone thinks of him as the, you know, the reality TV yeah. angle of him and biting the heads off of bats, which, you know, in yeah. COVID times is, is <laughs> interesting. Maybe he started it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But vocally speaking, he was not very trained but he's one of these purveyors of singing that was just free and natural and unpretentious in the way that he sings yeah but he's been great i've seen him several times i saw the black sabbath um end tour and then i saw him a couple times uh, as ozzy with zach's with zach wild who i love i think he's retiring soon isn't he he's uh, he is he was supposed to be doing his last round of gigs there when covid hit yeah, I was supposed to go. Uh, he was going to have a concert two years ago with him and Megadeth, which is going to be great. Yeah. And then, of course, Dave Dave Mustaine got cancer, so that got canceled. Yeah. And then Ozzy had to cancel because of his illness with his Parkinson's syndrome, yeah. which is similar to Parkinson's. And then he was supposed to come back and be with Marilyn Manson. That was be, that was going to be interesting. I would have that, actually that loved to have seen that now, him and Marilyn Manson. Yeah, what an interesting, those two together, kind of yeah. two two heads of the same coin in a way. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Both kind of scary, but that scared people's parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different eras. 
So um, what, uh, what song would you like to dedicate to your worst concert experience then? Oh, dedicate to my worst concert experience? It'd have to be an Avenged Sevenfold song, and it would have to be, hmm, I'll pick the, I think the best one they did live, um, okay. just because I want to be fair. And it's, it's Hail to the King. It's a, it's a good song. It's a okay. great song. It's got a cool guitar lick to it. Um, and at least I don't, I don't want to uh, make people listen to a bad, <laughs> a bad recording, <laughs> even though I didn't enjoy it. A lot of people do like them. So yeah, they are very popular. <gasps> yeah. I actually find funny enough, they're, uh, they're one heavy metal band that are very, I think are more popular with girls than guys. At least oh, yeah. over here, that's the way it is anyway. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of girls who are crazy about them, but the guys I know wouldn't be that into them at all. Sure. I bet that's because their their really big hit was that, um, how do I live without the ones I love? Kind yeah. of a sad ballady song. Yeah, that's, that's probably it, all right. Probably. I don't get it, though. <laughs> <laughs> So we um we better move on to your best concert. My best concert. So this I'm one totally will be good. I'm totally gonna cheat, and okay. I'm sorry. I'm gonna cheat. It's not just one concert. It's a okay. festival. That's allowed. So, <laughs> that's allowed. So, um, bit of a backstory. My husband and I got married in July right. of 2017. Not okay. to put a date on it, but it's important for this story. Um, we set our I set our date in July. And then about three weeks before our wedding day, found out that there was this festival in Chicago called the Chicago Open Air Festival. Okay. And the headliner was going to be Rammstein. Oh, my goodness. And we seriously considered, could we get to Rammstein to see them and get back in time for the wedding? Could we can <laughs> cancel our groom's dinner? cancel what we're going to do before that and be back in time and be okay to do the wedding. Like yeah. seriously considered this. And <laughs> cause I had never seen Rammstein. My husband has seen Rammstein several times okay. in, Ger in Germany oh, really? with his dad. His dad is a, is an engineer for the formula one teams or he had been for a while. Oh. So went over to, to Europe several times, which I'm very jealous of. Yeah. And had seen them saw Rammstein with like, disturbed opening for them and crazy things like that oh that would have been awesome insane i've seen disturbed too david draymond incredible really singer. i incredible love singer. disturbed oh god they're so good they're so they really are david can sing well so live he's such a great live singer anyways um so very very bummed about that so the year after found out they're going to have chicago open air again this same weekend so okay. for our anniversary that's what we did we went to chicago open air so it was um, our anniversary present to each other, three days in Chicago, or actually ended Very up being good. four or five. That concert or that lineup was incredible. So I'm just pulling up the uh, um, the lineup again because that was my first time seeing Kiss. Which, oh, really? There you go. You got to have that on your, everybody should have on their bucket list, which they won't be around much longer, is seeing Kiss live. I've actually seen them live myself. They what did are... you think? They're amazing. And the show they put on. So like, good. There's, they have everything, you know? Everything. There's lights, there's sounds, there's explosions, there's yeah. makeup. Yeah. There's a like, sick um, bass solo. Jim, Gene Simmons actually took off and flew around the whole uh, auditorium. Yes. It was just, it was awesome. 
he couldn't do that for us. He had to go on like this platform for oh, really? uh, the solo before God of Thunder. So he couldn't fly. But um, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, the lead singer. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Paul, Paul Stanley. Paul yeah. Stanley. He did fly from the stage to a platform in the middle. Oh. And he's he's a great singer. God, he he's a great is. singer. Yeah. So saw Kiss. Ozzy was there. Slayer was there. Megadeth was there. Anthrax was there. Meshuggah was there. Clutch. Steel oh. Panther. Lamb of God. And Amon Amarth, who's a big, uh, big uh, band for both my husband and I. He's a big Viking history right. guy. So Amon Amarth. Uh, do you know them at all? Amon Amarth? I actually don't. I don't. They're fantastic. They are kind of a melodic death metal, but always about Vikings. Right. Norse Norse mythology. Um, that sounds very interesting now. Definitely going to have to look them up and check them I, out. Twilight of the Thunder God. Start with that song. If okay. you don't like that one, you won't like anything else. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, we saw them by accident. I took my husband to a oh, Megadeth really? concert for his birthday. And yeah. Amanda Marth was the co-headliner. And Megadeth is always great, but yeah. I fell hard in love with Amata Marth. <laughs> so we were kind of there to see them, plus the rest of the lineup. Body Count was there, which is Ice T's metal band, who they're incredible right. as well. But the band that I discovered there, who had been around for a while, was Avatar. That was my first time seeing Avatar, really? who are now my very, very, very fam- favorite band that oh. I listen to them all of the time. Yeah. And it was a great, just a great three days of so many good bands in succession. Um, We met up with somebody who was staying in the hotel that we were staying in. So we rode together to the stadium every day. Yeah. And just, it was a, it was an amazing experience. It's probably the closest I'm going to get to going to Wacken in Germany, which I would love to go to someday. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be such a cool experience. Yeah. Like a, a real European metal festival yeah but you know because it's in america all the acts are a little bit older corn corn was there and then corn's fun oh, to see really? live I've seen, i'd seen them live before but oh. they were great to see live a lot of a lot of amazing bands on that lineup so i would count that one as my best concert even though it's kind of cheating it's not just one concert but yeah the whole experience still. yeah i'm actually i'm so jealous of when it comes to festivals in America, because we never actually get, you know, metal festivals or rock festivals. Our festivals are like a two or three day thing and it's all pop music or could be local artists or anything, but we'd never, I always see ads for like festivals in America and it's like Marilyn Manson, Disturbed, Mm -hmm. Metallica, all these great bands playing at the one, the one festival. And we never get any of that over here, you know? I think we should do something about that. Let's band together. We need yes. to get a metal festival for Ireland. Definitely. Definitely. Find a field somewhere. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of them. <laughs> yeah. Some rolling, beautiful green hillocks. Yeah. I actually, I had this idea years ago. There's this haunted house just outside my my hometown. It's okay. supposedly the most haunted house in Ireland. There's a really? whole a whole backstory with it. The devil apparently uh, appeared there and had a game of cards and burst into flames and shot up through the roof. The hole is still in, in the roof. But what? yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's called Loftus Hall. You should look it up. It's very interesting. Oh my gosh, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> Loftus Hall. Wow. Yeah. That would be a great place for, well, that sounds more like 
black metal. Yeah, kind of, kind of. But um, I had this idea it would be such a great place to have like Ireland's only metal festival. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You could have like Gorgoroth or some of those dark bands. Probably yeah, not. yeah. No, you could have, who would you want to have? If, if you had a festival like that in Ireland, who would you want to be like your top four headliners? Hmm. That is a good question. You'd have to have Marilyn Manson. Okay. Rob Zombie. Okay. Yep. Saw him. Uh, obviously Disturbed. I yep. would love to see them. And hmm, the fourth one. I uh, Maybe Ozzy or Ozzy. in his younger days or maybe Judas Priest or, you know. Ooh. If I had the choice, I'd take Judas Priest. Yeah. Yeah. Rob is incredible live. That whole band is incredible, even though um, some of the guys aren't there, but yeah, they put on a show. That was one of the shows you were supposed to see this last year was Judas Priest and Sabaton. Oh, Do you know no Sabaton? Way. I don't, actually. If you're a big fan of history, you would like Sabaton. All of their songs are about um, history of war. Oh, yeah. right up my alley, actually. You would love them then. You yeah. could listen to this this last album they put out in 2019 was called The The Great War, which is all about World War One. Oh, cool. So it had the Battle of the Dead Men, which is a horrible, horrible incident, but Yeah. Not it's not a glorifying war. They talk about how awful it is. So oh. you would love that. Yeah. You maybe yeah. have that at your at your at your festival. They could do um a couple of I have a couple Irish songs. Oh really? But Irish history. They've got one well, it's more Scottish. They've got a couple about um, William Wallace and and the fight against the English. Oh. Um, so that kind of fun stuff. I'm definitely going to have to look these up straight after after this interview. They yes. sound very interesting. You would love them. I'm really getting sidetracked here. I was thinking about uh, all those amazing <laughs> bands. <laughs> yes, our, our petition will start for a, a metal festival for Ireland. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, um, what song would you like to dedicate to your best concert? So, oh, my best concert. Hmm. I would. Well, since my best concert was about discovering Avatar, who's a band that is very dear to my heart now, I would say um, "Hail the Apocalypse" by okay. Avatar, because Perfect. that's a cool way of using guitars in that song. It's a very catchy tune. Right. And it was the band that really made me go, who the heck are these guys? Yeah. Oh, it really made you take note. Mm-hmm. Cool. Either that, or, either that or Bloody Angel by Avatar. Those two songs are amazing. Now I've, uh, depending, some people have said it's a bit of a tough question. If there was a, uh, if you could see any performer that's living or dead, in concert who would it be mm, okay so living it's going to be two very different ones sorry i'm going to cheat so <laughs> okay. one i'm i'm a cheater i'm sorry <laughs> it's too difficult for me to, to narrow it down to one living i'm hoping it happens this year but it's till lindemann of rammstein oh cool i, I cool. want to hear his voice live because his voice is incredible it is it, it has is. a lot of cool cool colors in it i want to hear that from a live PA. Yeah. But the other one who I'd love to hear who could not be any more different is Carol King. Do you know who that is? No, I don't actually. 
So Carole King is a gal that wrote a lot of the songs that were popular in the 60s and 70s. She was a singer-songwriter. Um, she wrote a lot of songs for James Taylor okay. and for... Um, uh, I think uh, Bobby V did one of her songs, but also Aretha Franklin did one of her songs, which was Natural Woman. Oh. And that actually came off of Carole King's Tapestry album. And the Tapestry album was a huge influence for me growing up because I was a gal who sang and played the piano. Yeah. There was a gal who sang and played the piano. Oh. Um, she's not, she's also somebody who doesn't have what I would say is a perfect voice. Her voice isn't right. like super polished, but I connect with her soul when she sings. It's yeah. her that I'm hearing. Yeah, I get you. So that's somebody I would definitely love to hear. And then of course, dead would be Ronnie James Dio. I would have of loved course. to have heard that voice. Yeah. It's, it would have to be him. Yeah. We can agree on Ronnie James Dio. God, yeah. that voice, <laughs> my goodness. I've heard several accounts that his voice was literally as perfect live as it was on the recording. No way. Oh, can you imagine? Oh. Goosebumps. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'd be such an experience. Mm-hmm. It would be. May he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. And if you had to pick a song by one of these artists, so which would it be? Hmm. Um, by one of those three? Well, I mean, it's kind of an easy choice. Rainbows in the dark. I mean, like a rainbow in the dark. It's such a great, I mean, what excuse do I need to make people listen to Ronnie James Dio? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. So I'd probably pick that one. Here's a question I just thought of, actually. Do you think the likes of uh, Dio and, you know, the great musicians from years ago that are no longer with us, do you think in 50 years' time they'll still be remembered, people will still be listening to them? Hmm. Well, a big part of me hopes so, certainly hopes so. It's It'll be interesting to see which of these big performers that are big now will yeah. survive. Yes. Um, like, uh, I mean, I think Dio will still be beloved in 50 years just because his voice is that incredible. I think Ozzy yeah. and Black Sabbath will still be loved because of the movement that they started, really, being this kind of the start yeah, yeah. of metal. And, um, I mean, I think there are certain, I, I don't, I mean... I don't think Avenged Sevenfold will be in that group. At least I hope no. not. <laughs> no, I don't Sorry. Think so. Sorry for their fans. <laughs> Sorry. You can hate me. Um, but I think uh, some of those kind of acts that are more based in the music than all of the hoopla surrounding them. Yeah. Um, the like, kind of manufactured, I call manufactured artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dua Lipa is a great singer, she but is. I don't, I don't know how much she has a lot of image around her and how much that image will still survive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I hope some of these rock artists, I, I hope it's the artists that, that inspire kids to get out and play an instrument. Then yes, just yes. go to a concert. It always fascinates me these days. Cause um, 
I don't know what it, what it's like over in America, but here it's not really that popular. You know, young kids nowadays aren't getting into rock music. It's all all hip -hop. pop and hip hop and, you know, all manufactured stuff. There's actually very few times you'd hear a song on the radio that's actually someone picking up an instrument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, with hip hop, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't knock hip hop music whatsoever. I think it's a really cool genre and I love some of the poetry that's involved with it. I grew up yeah. listening to the roots and, and, and salt and pepper, which is a totally, totally different from the roots, but listening to some of it. And I hear when you hear like real hip hop, like Wu Tang and public yeah. enemy and, and the real thing there is, I think of like ice T with his band body count, which is, Ice T with a metal band and body count <laughs> right. is incredible, right? So it's incredible yeah. musicians with the message that, that hip hop music carries. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying, just hitting play on a recording and talking to it. There is something about that live five guys. Why the reason I love Avatar, it's five guys playing live with a little bit of backing, but not yeah. much. Yeah. Just five guys playing their instruments to their utmost ability in a group together. Like it's like what the Beatles were, right? They were yeah, exactly. just a bunch of guys that knew each other growing up and then became this big band. Yeah. I hope yeah. that doesn't go away. Yeah, I really I'm the same. I really hope it doesn't, but I've a funny feeling that over the years it will kind of fade away. You know, it's gonna be more manufactured just pressing a button on the laptop and you know, recreating the sound of a guitar or drums instead of actually sitting down and taking the time to learn it. Yeah, it's, it's, if it does go, if it does go that way, it's going to be very sad, you know. Yeah, I guess then the only bastion of keeping that alive is going to be metal, and maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah, because metal music, you really can't get away with that. I mean, you yeah. can a little bit. There are groups that do it that have a, a DJ on stage and they play with it. Yeah. Um, but you you know, they you have to have that live element it's really one of the genres left that are so heavy on that and also you have all of the the genres within metal that are kind of folk centric and yeah. regionally specific that kind of bring this culture of of a particular part of europe or a part of the world like iran or like the who in mongolia using mongolian instruments and this metal sound, there's this regionality that's really developing in metal music that I think is going to help foster keeping that alive on a, on a worldwide scale that is really yeah. exciting. It is. It is. It's very exciting. I was just, um, I was just thinking there of a band I seen, I was going to ask, had you, uh, had you ever seen them or heard of them? They're no longer together, but I'm trying to remember their name here. They're from Wales. Okay. They were very big in England and Ireland about five, ten years ago, but they they broke up. Oh, what kind of style? Pop, rock, uh, metal, metal, metal. It was oh, uh, so there a was Welsh actually band. yeah, there was actually two song or two singers. One would scream and the other would sing normally. Okay, I'm trying Let's... to find them here now. Let's see, Welsh metal band, The Blackout. The blackout? No, yeah. I have not. Really? That's okay. one you should on you should list. look up now. The blackout. They're on my list now. Yeah, I actually uh I I stumbled across them. They were supporting I think it was my chemical romance. Okay. And 
my chemical romance were good, but yeah. I walked away from the concert wanting to find out everything about the blackout. And yeah. then subsequently I, I went to see them, I think four or five times oh, when wow. they were headlining, but sadly they're no longer together. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll definitely listen to them. Maybe I'll cross my fingers that they come back so yeah. you can see them again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have another question as well, and I'd yeah. love to hear your opinion on uh, what would your opinion be on a singer like, say, Kurt Cobain, you know, that really screechy sort hmm. of style of singing and voice? Well, I mean, I've listened to a lot of Nirvana. I wasn't quite the I mean, they came out when I was um, was that 91, 92. So I was pretty young when they came yeah. out. And um, of that movement, I liked Soundgarden a lot better. Yeah. Um, uh, just Chris Cornell's voice just spoke to me and I, I got to meet him once, which was cool. No way. Um, I met him in the Fargo airport, funny enough. Really? That's a, yeah. That's an interesting story. Just oh. total, total random reason. Right. Um, but someone like Kurt Cobain, he, his style of singing, um, I mean, it's a style and yeah. the thing I like about it, I, I, I don't, there's a thing with like Finnish metal bands where the singers are, they're incredible singers, right? Or someone yeah. like Hansi Kirsch from Blind Guardian is an incredible singer, but very, very much um, uh, trained. They're very trained singers. They they know exactly what they're doing. No, wrote, yeah. no note goes awry. Everything's yeah. kind of perfect. Kurt had a raw quality that I do appreciate in a singer. I, I, I like a rougher singer because if something feels too perfect, it's, it feels sanitized for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be the same. So Kurt, I mean, you can't say he wasn't being honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So his, but his, his technique, I mean, I don't know how long he would have been able to sing like that. I have no idea. No. Yeah. I, I doubt he'd be still singing nowadays. You know, if he had yeah, would lived. he? Or someone like, well, in the same vein, like Axl Rose, you talk about going to see Guns yeah. N' Roses. He had a period where his voice was a little bit rough. Yeah. And um, I know someone who's seen them back in, I think it was 2016, 2017. And they said they couldn't actually listen to him. Oh, no. Yeah. He said it wasn't a bit like, like the Oof. old days, you know, he's just past it. Yeah. Drinking and smoking, man. It'll yeah. get you. Yeah. And he did a lot of that <laughs> he really led the rock star life yeah oh he sure did i thought i would hear that with ozzy when i saw him to be honest yeah but actually. i was really surprised at how well i mean he's got filters and whatever in his microphone and yeah. and his range was never that huge hmm. but i was really surprised with how good he sounded those times that i saw him really yeah i, I mean um He's one now that I like, obviously I'd love to go see him, but I wouldn't be setting my standards too high. You know, I'd be expecting no. him almost to not sound great. Yeah. I mean, but I thought he did. I mean, for, for, really? for Ozzy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's one again with that pretentiousness. He's yeah. not pretentious when he sings. He's just singing. He's just mm. doesn't care. He's speaking the words on pitch, which is what singing is kind of supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's fun and he's telling you to put up your bleeping hands every other minute. And yeah. he's got a lot of energy, even at in his seventies or whatever. 
He's a great mm. front man. He's still a great front man. And he always gets an incredible band. Always. Yeah. 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 He still, he still has it. Mm. But yeah, somebody like Axel, somebody like Kurt, I, I, people think about that with Steven Tyler, right? Steven Tyler True. sings in a way that's very, to True. my ears, vocally taxing, but he still does it. I don't know yeah. how. Yeah, you can see how some people that hear these guys and that actually think that they they can't sing, you know, but mm-hmm. they're just they're just singing in their own style. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to hear him sing anybody else's music, but his own. <laughs> no. But on his music, he sounds yeah. great. Yeah, he does. He really does. But um, I need to bring it back now. I really need to hear your uh, your story of Chris Cornell, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, and actually I have a, an interesting bookend with Chris Cornell. So how I met Chris Cornell was that, um, one of my dad's friends and his very good friends, his, uh, stepdaughter was the manager for oh. Soundgarden and right. was Chris's wife. I can't remember her name, but, um, that was his wife and manager of the band. So we were, my, my dad and my family and I were taking my mom to the airport. Um, she's a a college professor. So she was flying to a, um, um, retreat or something, um, in another part of the country, taking her to the airport back when you could actually go in the airport, unlike it is now. Back in those days. Back in those days, pre 9-11, right? Yeah. Um, so we were taking her to the airport, bringing her out to wait for her flight and waiting with her for her flight. And here's my dad's friend, Bill, showing up. And Bill says, hey, my my stepdaughter and her husband, Chris, are here. Right. And I see him and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Chris Cornell. And I'm like hiding by my mom. I'm so nervous because <laughs> I was a big Soundgarden fan. And yeah. they're kind of like one of those first bands I was allowed to listen to. because. Oh, really? My dad was not a big fan of rock music. He thought okay. it was noise. Right, right. And rock and metal. So I didn't listen to a lot of that music, but Soundgarden was one that I could listen to because he was a great singer. So yeah. So I kind of got it. And so seeing Chris, I didn't really get to talk. I said, you know, hi, hi, Chris. Mm. Nice to meet you. He was very quiet, very shy. Said really? hi. Yeah. He said hi to us, but then, you know, it was time to, time to go. Um, he had a flight somewhere, I forget where, but yeah. yeah, she was visiting my dad's friend and he, uh, he's a lot shorter than I thought he would have been, but really, that's true for a lot of musicians. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always heard that, but he's one I actually thought would have been tall now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he just, he might've been about five, let's see, I was about five, six or seven at that point. He might've been about five, maybe 10, five, 11 oh. approaching six foot. Yeah. Not super tall, but tall. Yeah. So that was great. It was great to meet him. And then it came around because one of the very last um, gigs that Soundgarden played was, again, Northern Invasion, this festival in Wisconsin. And I had to go see him. Um, I'm so glad I did. I'm so, so glad I did because that was Saturday of the festival. And then that following Tuesday is when he died. No way. Yeah. So I saw one of his very last shows and... He was not in a great spot. He still sounded great, right? That yeah. voice is just natural, the way yeah. he sings. But his timing on like Spoon Man was off and he just seemed really? a little bit off. How was his, um, how was he on stage? You know, his, his energy and his, his attitude really. 
His energy was there, his attitude, he seemed a little bit dazed if I'm being honest. Really? And I don't know if if I'm if I'm if that I'm coloring my memory because of what happened several yeah. days after. Yeah. But his voice was still there, his voice still sounded crisp and clear and that mm. beautiful tone that he has. Yeah. But his timing with the band and I saw I could tell cuz I I've, I've been in a in a live band, I can tell when band members are trying to say things with their eyes to each other yeah and i could tell people in the band were looking around like oh boy he's off again oh just like a spoon man is a very very famous song for them so everybody knows that song yeah and he just wasn't quite on with his timing Jeez. but his singing was still great yeah i am i often wonder what it would have been like to be at the last show you know, the night of what happened just to see how he was on stage. And, you know, if you could actually, if there was any signs, you know? Yeah. I remember reading an article about it. Um, and I've seen a couple people took, you know, cause everyone has cell phones at concerts nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. People posted some video from that night and he looked to me about the same as he did for the festival. He looked a little bit, um, dazed, a little woozy. I guess, yeah, yeah. but he still seemed in the moment. He still mm. seemed to be, you know, bringing the crowd with him. Yeah. I, I um, I remember hearing that he closed the, uh, the set with, I can't remember the exact name of the song, but everyone kind of said, oh, that was his way of letting everyone know. It was like, it was something about wanting to die or wanting to go and mm. be with God or something like that. Oh man. Oh it man. It wasn't one of his that. own songs. Ugh. That's a gut punch. Yeah, yeah. It really is a pity, though. He was one of the greatest, you know, to come out of that that scene and that era. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Them, Soundgarden, Nirvana, and, uh, uh, oh my God. Pearl Jam? Uh, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. Pearl Jam is fine. Um, It's another one I'm, I wish I liked them as much as everybody else does. I do like them. Yeah. I've never seen them live. Maybe I would change my opinion, but mm. Alice in Chains was the one that I listened to a lot. Them yeah. in Soundgarden. Yeah, I getcha. So, yeah, poor Chris. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, and then, sure, it was only, I think, two months later or something, it was the the guy from... Um, oh, Lincoln Park? Um, yes, thank you. My mind Lincoln went blank Park. there for a yeah. second. Yeah. That's a band I would have loved to have seen live. I, I mean, Me like every too, actually, were you, you probably were like another hybrid theory super yeah. fan, right? Like everybody <laughs> else about our age. Yeah, yeah, I was. I really was. What a what a huge explosion they were on the scene and a big shift in what rock and metal music could kind of sound like. Yes, yes, they really were, and it over here at, at least, it kind of it seemed like it just came out of nowhere. You know, one day yeah. they weren't there, and then they were everywhere. Everywhere. Just bam, a shooting star. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. And it, it got rid of Limp Biscuit being on the radio all the time, which I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind Limp Biscuit. They're fine. They're fun. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, Lincoln Park is a bit more mature. It is. There's uh, there's more meaning to their songs, I find. Yeah, uh, much you know. more. That's incredibly sad. Yeah, those two deaths right in a row like that. And yeah. then I think not long after that, what's his name from the from the Prodigy? Did the same thing. Yeah, he did actually. And and we were hoping to maybe see the Prodigy, another big um, band that my my husband loves. We were going to see them in Chicago again. That Hope and Air was going to come back. 
And then he did that and Prodigy went away, which is awful. It is. It really is. They would have been an amazing band to see, to see live. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine his, his energy on stage, how he would have been. Oh my God. Talk about manic. Wow. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a few bands with that sort of energy. Like I've seen the Dillinger, Dillinger Escape Plan, which is a, a not a widely well-known band, but they've had a lot of festivals in America, especially where he's insane really? singer. Well, the vocalist, he's a screamer. He's insane okay. like that. But I can't imagine. Yeah. What the prodigy would have been like. Yeah. But... It would have been awesome. It really would have think... been a great. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries. I was going to say, do you think it's kind of full circle what we talked about at the beginning here? People like Mozart and Beethoven and these great masters having these neurons firing in their brain, these incredible artists like Chris and, um, uh, oh God, what's his name from Lincoln Park? Chester. Chester. And Chester, the prodigy. And you think of like um, Jimi Hendrix and you think of um, Janis Joplin. You think of all these, uh, Kurt Cobain, right? Yeah, these great- Jim Jim Morrison, these super artists, just how much stuff is firing in their brain and the idea of being able to handle that. Yeah, actually, we uh, we really did go full circle. Yeah. We didn't actually plan it. <laughs> <laughs> Kismet. That's, um, that's amazing. But um, it, there is something there, you know, with people that are on that sort of genius level. They yeah. obviously, they, they get to a it, stage where they just can't handle it anymore. No, they burn bright. Yeah. And they burn out. Burn for just a short while. But Ozzy's still alive. Surprisingly, actually. He's right? one that you really wouldn't expect to still be alive. <laughs> yeah. Of all the, him, what's his name from the, from the, from the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards? Yes. That man, I don't know how he is still alive. <laughs> I'm surprised there's actually any drugs left on the planet with him. You know? Oh my God. Did you ever hear That's... the story of him with his father's ashes? Oh, I did hear that story. Yeah. Do you think that's like, real? I don't know. I've, I've seen other interviews with him where he's like, yeah, I did say that. And that's 100% sh- true but like that could be just playing up to the image as well you know sure well or maybe in his mind that's his way of honoring his father like i will be true take you in you'll be with me forever (laughs) yeah yeah. in my nasal cavity (laughs) (laughs) so i mean you know what's the difference between that and spreading someone's ashes on a lake right true actually true (laughs) to each their own to each their own. Maybe his father said, I want you to do this. Possibly. 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 <laughs> oh. So our, uh, our next question, I'm interested to see who you choose. If you had to be locked in a room for 24 hours with a performer, again, living or dead, who would it be? Living or dead. It's going to be somebody living. Okay. And we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to my favorite band, Avatar. Again, it's right. the lead singer, Johannes Ekström. He is somebody who I'm fascinated by because one, he's somebody in a working band right now that's out putting out records. Yeah, like I, I it'd be interesting to talk with you know somebody, a legacy person who's not with us, right? Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk with. It, it would, you know, Elvis, but. It's more interesting to me, somebody who's in the business right now and is navigating live performing and touring and the cons or the, um, 
process of writing an album and writing music together with a band and how they do that. Yeah. That would be someone I'd love to talk with for 24 hours. He's a very funny guy too. He's very funny, very sassy, and very, very intelligent, speaks multiple languages as most of you Europeans do. Um, us Americans, we can barely speak English. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, if you saw any of those capital riots, I won't get into politics. Um, but he's somebody who I just really would love to pick his brain because he has built an image. He's not super famous. Avatar isn't super famous. And I'd love yeah. to talk with him about, I think they should be super famous because I think their music is really, really good. And it right. really speaks to me on an emotional and intelligent level. Yeah. And would love to talk with him about why that is. Why, what he thinks, you know, they're, they're not a commercial kind of sellout band. They don't do what's commercially viable. They do what, they feel is the best music that speaks to them and they stick true to that. Well, you'd respect them more for that. Yeah. It'd just be interesting to pick his brain for 24 hours. Plus if we were locked in a room together, we we might possibly write a song together. That would be a duet. And I think that would be really cool. (laughs) That would be actually awesome. Yes. So he's, he's the number one singer you'd love to sing with. Then if he had the chance, is he? He, he'd actually be number two. The right. number one singer I would love to sing with in a duet would be a band called Battle Beast and a singer right. called Nora Luimo, if I'm saying it correctly. She's Finnish. Okay. She she is Ronnie James Dio in female form. <laughs> right. And I crap you not, she is that good. Hmm. Actually, I um I think I might have heard one of their songs. Uh, King for a Day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually thought she was awesome. I thought it was so refreshing to see a female lead singer of a metal band. Mm-hmm. And you not know, one there's... like Nightwish, right? Just being an opera yeah. singer. Yeah, but no, they, she she has some voice. You should see her live. I, I cannot recommend seeing that woman live highly enough. It's the most incredible voice I've ever heard. And I've seen Rob Halford and I've seen Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. I've seen incredible singers. She is the best singer I've ever seen live. Incredible. Oh my goodness. That, uh, she sounds like she's really up there. So. Yeah. She could hit notes that she's just so free and easy with everything that she sings. So singing a duet with somebody, I mean, it would be tough for me because there's no way I could match up to her, but it would be (laughs) so fun. Yeah, I but can the other imagine. one would be the other one would be Johannes. Yeah, I would love yeah. to sing Johannes. <laughs> so if you had if you had to pick one of their songs to play right now, which which one would you pick? One of Avatar's songs. Either of the uh, the two, Battle Either Beast the two, or Avatar. Battle Beast or Avatar. Hmm. I probably would do. Um, probably would do Battle Beast. Because, mm-hmm. and I probably would do a song like King for a Day, but actually I think, um, I'm trying to remember the, uh, uh, actually I'd pick a song by Battle Beast called Far From Heaven. Okay. Which is a song that she wrote about, or the band wrote about um, ending a relationship. Right. And her kind of, it feels like a lot of guilt about ending a relationship. In the, yeah. in the lyrics, she feels far from heaven, I think, because of 
how this relationship had to end or how she maybe thought she treated this person while they were in a relationship. And she feels a lot of guilt about that. And I think it's the best she sounds on that, that particular album, in in my opinion. Um, So I'd say far from heaven, because we've all had that, right? I've had that. I had a relationship I had to end in kind of a crappy way. Yeah. I think everybody everybody goes through something like that. Yeah. So I would pick far from heaven. I I can't I can't wait to hear that song. And see what I think you'll like it. What it's like. You'll raise your lighter. <laughs> I'll be here in the spare room on my own, just uh, standing with my lighter in the air. Sure, why not? <laughs> or whatever one does it concerts uh, that don't allow lighters, they just hold their their cell phone light up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This um this brings us to the final question of the interview. So, a song that you would pick to be on the soundtrack to your life. This seems to be the hardest question now. That's what I'm hearing from my guests so far. Anyway, that is a tough one. But I'm glad I thought about this a little bit. The song that I like to play. So, at my prior job, I'd have days where God, I don't want to get out of the car. I don't want to go to my job. It's tough to face the day. I was having some negative thoughts and it was just tough for me to get going in the day. And the song I love to put on to get me going and make me feel powerful and in charge of things is Twilight of the Thunder God by Amon Amarth. Right, right. It is a song about Thor battling with Jormagunder, the world serpent. Right. And it's about a battle that Thor, if you read Norse mythology, Thor knows he's probably going to die at the end of this battle, but he okay. does it anyways. Yeah. And it's a oh, it's a blood pumper of a song. It just really gets you going. Gets me going. Yeah. If I'm really feeling down, I'll put that song on and just rah, rage against <laughs> rage against the world and and feel empowered again and and mm. pumped up and ready to go to battle. <laughs> Sounds like a great song. Oh, it's a great song. If you if you listen to that song and you manage to stay still, I'll be very impressed. <laughs> if you don't immediately want to pull out a sword and grow a beard and go battle a, a giant snake. I I have the beard. I just I need to get you? the sword. <laughs> Got to get the sword or the axe, actually. You want an axe. It's, it's yeah, games. that's a bit more, a bit cooler. <laughs> mm-hmm. My husband bought an axe. Really? Total total sidebar. But yeah, he bought an axe <laughs> so he could be a full Viking. <laughs> uh, love him. Oh. Well, that's uh, that's all our questions covered, unless you have okay. anything you'd like to add. No, I'd like to say, um, I'd like to ask you, if turn that question around, what's a, so- a song on your soundtrack for your life? Oh, <laughs> I'm unprepared for this now. Oh, um, good. Hmm. That is a uh, that is a tough question. It depends. How about on... the same vein? If, I, if you want a song that's going to pump you up when you're having kind of a down day. Oh, I'm trying to think now. Um, I okay. If I'm having a bad day and I'm kind of in a in a bit of a, a shitty mood, I normally go to, uh, you know, Metallica's Saint Anger album. That's a good album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's normally Frantic or um, Saint Anger, the song itself. Okay. I'll put on and 
listen to a couple of times, be they're screaming along with it. And I start to feel better after a while. Yeah. But there is a lot of them that there's another one, actually. Yes, I've thought of the song that pumps me up. Okay. L.A. Woman by The Doors. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. I just love how it starts off with the bass line. And, you know, you have to start tapping your feet as soon as it starts. Physically impossible not to. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I call it, well, my partner calls it my shower song because I'll put it on on my phone. And while I'm there in the shower, I'm no longer Brian. I'm Jim Morrison. (laughs) That's awesome. So you're blasting away in the shower. Yeah. I really feel sorry for my neighbors. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You feel sorry for your neighbors. I had a time living in an apartment. I was, you know, somebody singing in a metal band. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> blasting out Iron Maiden so I can I can understand that yeah yeah I bet your neighbors loved it uh, I don't know I've uh I must I must uh ask them <laughs> do they ever hear me I'm sure they'd rather have that than you know some you know Britney Spears song or something true true at least at least it's uh an interesting one mm-hmm. absolutely so uh I think that that brings us to an end okay well, have, this was so fun. I was just going to say, this is actually uh, the interview I think I've enjoyed most. It didn't actually Aww. feel like an interview. I just felt like we were having a chat and I've actually learned so much. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot too. I mean, it's really interesting using the medium of talking about music, how much, you know, culture you kind of transfer yeah. between people, right? Cause yeah, that's that's very true. It's Music is such a personal thing. It's yeah. such a great way to get to know somebody. I, I love to ask that question. Like, what, what I have people that I work with, I'm like, what bands do you listen to? And I yeah. feel like, based on their answer, I know them a lot better yeah. because of what they like to listen to. You're, you're totally right. It's, it's probably one of the best ways to get, get an image of a person. Absolutely. You know? But uh, no, it really is. But, and it's a, it's a universal language as well, you know, it just, it brings people together and just, Absolutely. and as you said, it's one song, a song for me could mean something completely different for you. It touches people in different ways. That's what art is. Yeah. Art is interpretive, it touches you in different ways. Yeah. I think yeah. music is the best art form, but I'm very biased. I totally agree. <laughs> So uh, it was a, a pleasure talking to you. You too, Brian. This has been great. It has. It really has. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, keep in touch. Yes. I think we maybe should do this again if you're open to it. Definitely. I love talking about music. Definitely. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll have to like schedule a, a six hour long recording session. <laughs> yeah. Break it up. Part one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do a whole series, the Stephanie and Brian series. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That would be super fun. It would. It would. I want to hear more about the concerts you've been to and the music that you like. I've listened to the, the other episodes and it's fun getting an insight about yeah. the experiences and memories. And it's actually, um, not to plug my own stuff, but I'm actually writing a couple of um um, podcast right now, one being the metal voice, which is about okay. talking, talking about metal singers and, um, 
my kind of discovery in this metal world, being somebody from my background um, and then listening to these live metal singers and and my impressions of them. But then another um, show that I'd love to have you on sometime, which is called I I Remember When. And it's just going through a, a memory that's super vivid for you and kind of talking about what you took from that memory and how that memory kind of shaped your life, good or bad, you know, yeah. We talked a few of my memories and how those have shaped my life and my my understanding of myself as a person and the world around me. Yeah. And I want to hear more about other people's memories and and what that, they took from that. That really does sound great. I'd I'd be honored to to go on it when you have it up and running. Absolutely. I will read out to you. Do make sure you do. So uh right. I um I better uh better say goodbye so Goodbye. <laughs> so I'll, sad. Um, I'll, uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon. I very much hope so. Hey there, number one fan, USA, (laughs) True Dimes here. Love your podcast. I love your Instagram. Everything about what you do is amazing. I appreciate it. I have concert stories for days. Tom Petty to Marilyn Manson to Rob Zombie, um, Way Down Wanders, Nathaniel Ratcliffe and the Night Sweats. Tons. Tons of bands. Love you for it. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.